with you, not for you, right? In other words, I'd like you to participate in what I have to share with you today. Why? Because I don't believe that I'm here to tell you things that you don't already know, right? In other words, they say that we as a black folk are not dead. We are not necessarily asleep. We are in a state of, a temporary state of self-forgetfulness. So what I'm here to do is simply to remind us of some of the wisdom and the knowledge that's deep within us. So throughout today's journey, the idea is to open your eyes and look within. Could we do that? Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to travel today. We're going to travel to the ancient past, right? And then to the present future. Okay? So in order to make that journey, um, I just want to make sure that everybody is ready. I don't want to get anybody, I don't want to lose anybody along the way. Right? So we want to travel together. Okay? So I want to make sure everybody is on the same wavelength. Why? Because unity in our community can only be achieved if we share the same ideology. Now, in this day and age, that's a difficult thing to achieve. Why? Because there are so much fragments among us, right? If I were to say to, if I were to ask any of you, are you Christian? How many people are Christian in this room? Put up your hands. Right. Beautiful. Now, if I were to tell you I'm a Christian, one of the first questions you're going to ask me is what? What church I go to? Meaning what? What denomination? Think about that for a moment. It's not sufficient for you to know that I'm a follower of Christ, that Christ is my standard bearer. It's important for you to know what church I go to and what denomination I belong to. Right? So what I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, is that even when it comes to serving Christ, we are politicized, we are divided, right? And when we as adults speak to what's going on with our children and youth in our community, right? We, are, we often ask ourselves, what's wrong with these youth? They have no manners, right? They, they don't know what life is all about. Why are they killing each other? You know what the scriptures say about that, don't you? The children's teeth are on edge because because the fathers and mothers eat sour grapes. Think about that for a moment. The children's teeth are on edge because we as adults, we eat sour grapes. And what does that mean? Except that somehow or the other, we as adults accept the unacceptable and we model that for our children. Now, I consider myself a father. I'm a father, a grandfather. I consider myself a, a good shepherd. Now, how wise would I be if I were to counsel a lamb to seek refuge in the den of a wolf on the day of trouble? Think about that, right? How wise would I be if I told my child that his slave master is his Lord and Savior. Let's be real. 
Okay, that's what this is all about, right? I'm an indigenous person, right, from this part of the world, from the Americas, okay? When, I want you to understand this, wherever the equator touches the planet, there you find black folk. Think about that, right? And so my question to you is, where does the equator begin and where does it end? 360 degrees, correct? So we govern this realm 360 degrees, right? And so I'm going to share some of the evidence of that um, idea with you today, right? So that we could remember who we truly are. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we are the firstborn children of the family of God. And as such, we have a peculiar responsibility to raise the standard of righteousness for the other nations to follow. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking right thoughts, right words, right actions. Right? Let's be real. So here on this journey we begin with return to the throne. Does anybody recognize what this is? What is this? The Ark of the Covenant. It's also called the mercy seat of the Almighty God. Right? Wherever the ark is, there God is. Right? Now I want you to think about this for a moment. There are four great nations on planet Earth, peoples. You have the great white, you have the great yellow, brown, you have the great red, brown, and you have the great black. Right? Now if you look at the way the world is constructed today, right? The brown, let's say the India and Pakistan, they boast. They say, we have nuclear weapons that could destroy the world two times over. Right? So India has nuclear weapons, Pakistan has nuclear weapons. The great yellow nations say, well, we have nuclear weapons that could destroy the world ten times over. So China boasts about its technological advancement, its weapons of war and destruction. And of course, the great white nation says, we have enough nuclear weapons that could destroy the world a thousand times over. How many nuclear weapons do we as African people have? How vulnerable are we? But guess what? We have something that transcends every single one of those nuclear weapons. And you know what that is? The Ark of the Covenant. We are covenanted people with Almighty God. I'll tell you something about this particular Ark, right? When the Queen of Sheba went and had counsel with Solomon, and she bore a son, his name was Dawid Menelik, David Malcolm, Dawid Menelik. And Solomon entrusted the Ark to the Queen of Sheba, and she took it back to Ethiopia. And it remains there until this very day. Proof of that. How many nations do we have in Africa? Anybody? 56. 56. Well, guess what? Every single nation in Africa was colonized. Like the other day, you have the Ghanaian independence, right? But guess one country was never colonized? Ethiopia. Right? So let's begin with the Ark of the Covenant by saying this is where we need to travel back to. 
Before we go on, Joan, I do want to check in with you guys right, to make sure that we're all on the same wavelength. So I'm going to ask you to participate with me to make sure that we begin together and we end together. I'm going to ask you for a scenario. We're at home, we're watching TV, City TV, News Pulse comes on, and it says there's been a shooting at Eaton Center. Young men, three young men, got out and started shooting up the place. The first thought, the first thought that comes to your mind, and I want you to say it together, because I want to make sure that we're on the same wave, wavelength. I hope... <laughs> and they say we don't think alike? <laughs> think about that. Why do we all have the same hope? Why do we all have the same aspirations? If we were not united in our origin, right? We came from the same source and we have a common destiny. So don't let the confusion of this world lead you astray, right? The other question I have to ask for you guys is, what is the most powerful force in this universe as you know it to be, right? What would you say if I were to Love. ask you? Love. Could anybody agree? What did she say? Love. Do you agree? Well, <laughs> we have one dissent, but it is love, because God, Almighty God is about love, right? Now, I'll give you, I'm going to share with you a situation, right? And it happened at an Airbnb recently in our community, right? Three young men got killed at a session, a young people's party, right? You heard it on the news. And you know what they said on the news? There were three deaths, two homicides. Did you hear me correctly? There were three deaths and two homicides. So what happened? Nope. Could you repeat that, sir, at the back? Do you understand the condition of our young people? Do you understand the consequence of eating sour grapes, right? So again, let's raise our vibration. And I'm going to check in with you again, because guess what? Those youth cannot see love within themselves. Why? How many people here voted in the last federal election? Hands up. Boom. Got you. Why? Some of you voted red. Liberal. Correct? No. Some of you voted blue. Conservative. Correct? Okay, <laughs> but guess what? You're again, you're unique. But guess what? That's where the dividing line goes, right? Liberal red, conservative blue. What color are the bloods, everybody? Red. What color are the Crips, everybody? Blue. Who is following who? Are you telling me the youth are setting the standard for those who govern? Or are we setting the standard for the youth to follow? So when you see the youth on the road, I'm from Jane and Finch, I'm an OG from Jane and Finch, right? And in my day, we had diplomatic immunity in the entire ghetto community. Not today. They, today they are boundary lines. Okay, I work in the school system, so I'm telling you what I know, not what I believe, right? North of Finch, Crip Blue. South of Finch, blood red. And if your children ever make the mistake 
of stepping across the borderline, they get wet up, they get shot up, they get killed, right? This is what's going on in our community right now. So when you make the decision to vote red or vote blue, what kind of example are you setting for our youth, right? So hopefully today, based on this presentation, there will be an alternative because as much as they make promises, God also makes promises, right? And I believe that we have not been paying attention to what God is saying. So let me check in with you again, right? I want to make sure that you guys know how to spot love when you see it. So I'm going to ask you this question. How do we spell love? Everybody. A little bit more life. How do we spell love? L-O-V-E. How do we spell spot? S-P-O-T. One more time. How do we spell spot? S-P-O-T. What do we do when we come on a green light? Stop. It's time to wake up, wake up, wake up, and walk in the light. It's time to wake up, wake up, bring substance to our lives. Yes. You understand? I just met you for a quick minute, right? You didn't come to my school, you didn't come to my place of worship, and yet, in a quick minute, you were so easily tricked, you were so easily trapped, and so easily led off course. Yeah. Don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine, imagine 400 years of dehumanization, torture, miseducation, the intergenerational trauma that we've experienced, right, as a result of being tricked and trapped and let off course, all right? So today, um, in this journey, we're gonna go on a beam of light, right? Now, because you guys are a little bit uncertain about what to do with a green light, yeah. I, have a, I have a little issue with that because, <laughs> because um, what it is is this, right? As a time traveler, right, we, belong to a universal order. We're children of the universe, right? And we belong to the universal order of love, right? And that's symbolized by the green light, right? So to begin this journey, I'm gonna ask you to stand for a moment. The reason I'm asking you to stand is because you know when you go out of space and through time and space, you have to put on certain God. So this morning, I'm gonna ask you to do this for me. I'm gonna ask you a question. You remember in the book of Ephesians, it says, in the day of trouble, put on the whole armor of God. And so today, I just want you to go through this exercise with me. I want you to shod your feet with justice and peace. Everybody? I want you to gird your loin with the buckler of truth. I want you to protect your back and your chest with the breastplate of righteousness. In your left arm, 
I'd like you to adorn yourself with the shield of faith. And in your right hand, I'd like you to uphold the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of Almighty God. And on your heads, I'd like you to ordain yourself with the crown and helmet of salvation. I say, from where I look, you look golden. Please have a seat. This is a symbol of ma'at. And I begin here because, remember this. Remember I said we all have covenants. We are covenanted to the Almighty God. Each and every one of us have an incarnation objective. Do you know what that means? A purpose for being here, right? A destiny, a divine destiny, right? And the reason I say this is because when we begin this life's journey, if you notice, your parents take you to a holy abode, right? To have you christened, baptized, and born in, welcomed into this world. When you leave this world, they take you back to the same abode to bid you adieu, right? Now, somehow or the other, in between, we get a little bit confused, right? And we think it's important to honor God when we come in. We think it's important to honor God when we leave, but in between, we forget about our divine responsibility. And so here is the seat of judgment. When we go back to the heavenly realm, the ancients said that we had to pass through this particular trial of Ma'at. And on her right hand, she has the heart, your heart, my heart. And on this left hand, the feather. So imagine that scale of justice, whether your heart could be balanced and be as light as a feather. That's the divine objective. In this, in this text, in this context, you hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? So remember that, always keep in mind, whatever it is that we're going through, and this is where Jones is coming from today in regards to forgiveness. Right? We are not to have a heavy heart. Right? Try to live this life in such a way that your heart is not burdened with guilt and sin and all of the other negative energies in this world. Now, regardless of race, religion, or creed, of course, all humanity has its roots in Africa. Now, people of African descent, of course, we've made infinite contributions toward the development of Africa and the entire world. When people work and move in unity, with one God, one aim, and one destiny, great works can be accomplished. Wonders such as the great pyramids of Giza were achieved because people live, socialize, and work together as one. I want to pause here for a minute because this is going to be a common theme throughout this presentation. Many people know about the pyramids in Africa, but they don't know that we established pyramids around the world. Remember when I said that we governed the entire planet? The proof is that signature, the pyramids. The proof is every monolithic uh, construct of stone, living stone. Now, when we saw the Ten Commandments, you know that movie with Charlton Heston, right? And you remember when they showed you the slaves stomping on straws and carrying these heavy rocks? None tall or so. <laughs> the reason we can tell you that is this. 
You know what they're saying today? They're saying that these stones were cut with machines. Yes. Hear me carefully. These stones were cut with machines. Laser machines. A thousand times more precise than anything they have today. Think about that. Why? Because there's something called a pyramid inch. We all went to school and we all see the ruler, 12 inch, right? And then the 12 inches ruler, there's six inches and a half of a foot, right? And then it breaks it down into an inch, a half an inch, an eighth of an inch, a quarter of an inch, and a sixteenth of an inch. That is today's standard of measurement, correct? The ancients. You know what they said about the ancient ones? Our ancestors were able to use a thousandth of an inch as a standard of measurement. So precise, they were actually aligned with the stars in the belt of Orion. Next. So here we have in China, by the way, they're trying to cover it up, but in China, they also formed pyramids, right? And so what they've discovered is that these pyramids in China, this guy named Professor Wang Shipping of Xi'an said he estimated the age of these pyramids about 4,500. I'm thinking he's a little short, it's more like 10,000. And that he believed they might have been arranged to mirror the shapes of certain constellations in the night sky. In January 1994, the archaeologists discovered these pyramids near the Waiho River, located almost exactly in the geometric center of the ancient Zion Chinese Empire. This is important because, guess what? When we speak of the Zion Empire, you guys remember, please, whatever I say today, make sure you take notes or take a note to make sure you check in your, your, um, your phone, right, the internet, so that my opinion isn't taken as such, but that you do your research to verify what I'm saying to be true. I don't want to mislead anybody. The most ancient empire in all of China is the Xi'an Empire, X-I-A-N. And by the way, they are black civilization. Next. Now, for example, you know many Chinese and Asians, they believe in Buddhism, correct? By the way, what kind of hairstyle is Buddha rocking right there? China bombs. <laughs> China bombs. <laughs> How many Chinese you know can rock China bombs? <laughs> you, almost, you see what I'm saying here? The most ancient depiction of God, of a divine person, is always and always be a black woman or a black man. Next. Here again in Indonesia, the same thing. You see the same ancient Buddha wearing the china bumps. Now, remember I began by saying every ancient monument out of stone represents our construct, right? So for example, the Great Wall of China. Do you know we built the Great Wall of China? Do you know why we built the Great Wall of China? Okay, next to China is Mongolia. Right? So, I want you to understand this. When you hear the word ancient, two things I want you to take into account. Number one, as an anthropologist, when they study the ancient world and ancient civilizations, the deeper they dig, the more ancient the age, correct? How is it, therefore, that the more ancient the age, the higher the civilization? 
think about that. The higher the scientific, technological, and civic excellence. Whereas others may have evolved, perhaps we have devolved. So the reason why we built the Great Wall is this. The word ancient only applies to black folk. There is no ancient Europeans, sorry to say. There is no ancient so-called Chinese, sorry to say. In fact, the Europeans are Caucasoid, Caucasians. The so-called Chinese are Mongoloid, Mongolians. And you know, today we do genetic engineering. We did it back then, too. The Caucasus Mountains acted as a natural bridge to keep the colony of Caucasoids or Neanderthals out of civilization until such time they learned social prudence. The Great Wall separated China from Mongolia to keep the horde of Mongols away from civilization until they evolved to social orderliness. What happened as a consequence? Genghis Khan breached the Great Wall and went into civilization, came among us. They went through China, Japan, Korea, the Philippines, up to today. You go, anybody, anybody knows anybody from the Philippines? Yeah. You ask your Filipino friend when you go back to work, right? Where are the black people in the Philippines? They say, oh, the Negritos? You say, yes. They'll tell you, the Negritos are in the mountains. They ran to the hills. Think about that. And that's how they survive until today. So we had to build this great wall to separate the Mongols from our original civilizations that we established in China. They've also now unearthed pyramids in Europe. So this is in Bosnia. They call this the Pyramid of the Sun. And they said this pyramid is even larger than the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Next. Here you have Stonehenge. Again, they, it's a mystery to them. Why? Because you have these stones, right, weighing 50, 100 tons. How do you elevate them? How do you put them one on top of the other? What kind of machine did you use? It's a mystery to them. However, what they're now saying is that it was built as a symbol of peace and unity. Next. It's okay, love Next we have this pyramid here. So we, so far we've been to Africa, pyramids, Asia, Europe, and here we are in America, right? And this is a pyramid in uh, Chichen Itza, Mexico, also known as El Castillo. And this particular pyramid, what's interesting is during the spring equinox, there is a serpent ascending to the heavens. And during the fall equinox, at the middle of the day, 12 noon, and both occasions, the same serpent descends from heaven to earth, as above, so below. Ah, this is a depiction of uh, what kind of man you say? Uh, Chinese, European, African, black man. You know where they found this monument? In Mexico. This is the Olmec, right? Look at the helmet. These guys, these guys were athletes, by the way, warriors. They played a ball game. Right, with an Indian rubber ball, hard rubber ball, where they had to get it through a, a cylindrical hole, something like basketball today. 
But this particular monument is carved again out of solid granite, 50 tons. Look at the precision. They don't even have the tools today that could even carve that, let alone transport it, right? And then look at the features. You can see who we are and what we represented here. And what it is is this. They say that the Olmec civilization is the mother civilization of the Americas, meaning this. There was none before them. You check? There was nobody here before them. The same Mongols I talked about earlier, they, they came across the Bering Strait. If you notice, okay, I got a question for you guys. Alaska is a part of what country? US. Again? US. By the way, who sold Alaska to the US? Russia. Say it again, brother. Russia. Russia. Think about that. Russia sold Alaska to the U.S. and yet Alaska shares a border with Canada. How is that even possible? Well, the Mongols, when they came through Siberia, they walked across a land bridge called the Bering Strait. So they walked from Northern Asia, Russia, into America and came in and did to us here what they did to us in China. Okay? There's a movie about it called Apocalypto. If you ever check it out, you'll see. Apocalypto is the name of the movie. Ah, here is Machu Picchu. And it's a beautiful city in Peru. Again, they found this in the, in the highest mountains of Peru. They realized that we had 200 buildings, temples, houses, pathways. The stones are so well fit together, perfectly fit together, without mortar. They're wondering, how did we do that? Right? But again, it's an indication of our existence here. Exactly. Next. There's another picture of uh, Machu Picchu. Next. Now here is in the U.S. of A, in Mississippi. This pyramid is called the Monk's Pyramid, and it's in St. Louis. St. Louis, Illinois. Next. Does anybody recognize that picture? The Rock of Gibraltar, right? How many people have heard about the Rock of Gibraltar? Hands up? Beautiful. Now check this out. This particular rock was named after an African general. His name was Gibraltariq. And Gibraltariq led a benevolent expedition from Africa into Europe. Remember I said to you we did some genetic modification and the Caucasoid and the Mongoloid came up into existence? Well, we have to help bring them to that level of civil ordinance. And so we left Northern Africa, went into Europe for the sake of bringing the barbarians out of the Dark Ages and into the Renaissance. Next. So before the Moors arrived in Europe, there was tremendous famine, disease, pestilence, and war in England, Portugal, and Spain. Now, this university is called the University of Salamanca. Again, please take this stuff down. Salamanca, S-A-L-E-M-A-N-C-A, meaning peace. And this university was built by black folk, the black Moors. Right? So we are the ones who introduced higher education to the Europeans, not the other way around. So when they tell our children and youth that you don't have what it takes to go to university, 
couple of weeks. It is, it is it's ridiculous indeed. Right? Because we at the university, we taught a vast range of subjects, including languages, music, mathematics, and sciences, such as astronomy, botany, biology, architecture, engineering, and etc. In addition to the theater arts and music, the Moors also introduced the game of chess to the world. The Moors governed for 700 years. Now, if I, let me ask you guys, how long is a millennium? A thousand years. So what year were we in now? 2020. A thousand years ago would be what? 1020. A thousand years ago, that's where we were. We were in Europe, helping these barbarians to come out of the dark ages, right? They used to defecate in their own homes, right? They used to eat raw meat. I mean, I come to Canada in the 70s, and they, you know what they used to do? They'd go to Dominion, or Loblaws, get the steak from the suffering wrap, open it, and throw it into their saucepan. No season. Right? I see that, I witnessed that. And they go on one side, and the other side, and they take it and put it on the plate, and when they cut it, the blood would have to run. Do you understand? <laughs> I mean, I'm just talking truth. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but I'm here to speak the truth. Right? So, I'm sorry, but we're going to live in the head. Yeah, so what I'm saying is this. We governed from 7 to about 1492 AD. And we were, we were the first, this is important, very, very important. We were the first to introduce the Abrahamic religions to the world. Okay? Christianity. The very first institution of Christianity is the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, of which I wear a mask on. Okay? There's no more church more ancient in Christianity than the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. I'll give you an example. You remember when Herod and them put out the edict to kill the boy Jesus? Where did Mary and Joseph take him for refuge? Egypt, Ethiopia. In the Nile Valley. Right? The people of Israel, did they not come out of the Nile Valley led by Moses? You guys call yourself Canadians, you've been here maybe 15, 20, 30 years, 400 years. Are they not Africans? There you go. And by the way, many people may not know this, but the prophet Muhammad, he received the same message about the God of Abraham. And when he tried to bring this message to his warring people, they tried to kill him. And you know what he did? He ran and sought refuge in Ethiopia amongst the Kleber and the Gas, the kings of Ethiopia. Right? So all three religions find their origin in the Nile Valley. And knowing this, the Moors set up a civilization in Spain, in Europe, where Christians, Muslims, and Jews all lived in relative peace and harmony. So what happened after a while? The Spanish church and the Pope, Gregory IX, issued a decree forcing the conversion of blacks to Catholicism. It's still going on today, right? And if you didn't convert from Islam or Judaism or your definition of Christianity serving the black Madonna and the black Bambino, right, then you were tortured. And many of our people were tortured and had to leave Spain. They call it the Spanish Inquisition because they wanted to what? Reconquest. 
Because we remember we went there benevolently, and we would, once they became more aware of themselves and their responsibility for governance, they told us we had to go. And that's why we left. And of course, what happened consequently is that, by the way, because we circumvented the planet, we already knew about life in America. We were already traveling to the Americas and around the world. And so Christopher Columbus found a Moorish navigator. And he went to Isabella and Ferdinand and said, yo, you know the Moors are up to something, eh? <laughs> They're traveling all over the world. They have all these swords, spears with gold tips, right? I feel that they're going to the Indies, right, to get that. And I need some money to go on an expedition. I have a Moorish navigator. And so he did. They financed it, not because Christopher Columbus had a, had a dream and woke up. They would never finance that. But they would only finance and invest in something where there was good, uh, what do you call it, and calculated guess. In other words, informed decision. And Ferdinand and uh, King Ferdinand and Isabella financed Columbus. He came to the Americas. He came into the Caribbean. And guess who he found there? Us. Black folk. Remember what they did? He kidnapped them, kidnapped us, Pocahontas, and took us back to Paredes in Europe. And after resisting for hundreds of years, then they brought our brothers and sisters from the continent into the Americas, right? And enslaved us again. Next. But it was through the independent movements of great Caribbean leaders of Haiti's independence, generals Toussaint Louverture, Dessalines, Pechon, and Christophe, who finally defeated the Europeans and liberated blacks from the indignity of slavery. Together, these mighty men overthrew the armies of Napoleon Bonaparte and the French colonists to establish Haiti as an independent nation in the year 1804. Haiti is important because this is the only place in the world where people who were formerly slaves fought for and gained their independence. Haiti's independence was necessary because the majority of the countries in the region were suffering from the inhumane, barbaric, and brutal destruction that slavery was causing to the children, women, and men in African, of African heritage. Next. The people had the fortitude to organize themselves because they couldn't stand being oppressed, brutalized, and mistreated anymore. The overthrow of the French was key, very, very key, right? Because what happened is they owned Louisiana, right? They call it the French Quarter. But when Haiti overthrew Napoleon, he lost his wealth. Remember, Haiti was an economic power. So he couldn't finance his army anymore. He couldn't wield the same amount of power anymore. So he decided to sell. And he sell, he sold the French Quarter to the then United States. But guess what? I'm a member of an ancient indigenous empire called the Imperial Washington Empire. And we had territory here in Louisiana. I'm going to talk about Oklahoma soon. And what happened is our territory became annexed. So the United States, in purchasing the quarter from France, annexed the territory of the indigenous people who were there first. And so what happened thereafter is that in 1996, our people went to the United Nations, and there's a number called 215, where the Washita Empire was defined by the United Nations as the most ancient indigenous people on planet Earth. So after the overthrow of Haiti and 
based on what blacks were doing to uprise, the American Civil War occurred in April 12, 1861 to April 19, 1865. Of course, after the war, after the Civil War and the liberation of slaves, we began to reconstruct. We began to rebuild ourselves. We began to be who we truly are in terms of our potential. So we had a place called Black Wall Street. Remember I showed you the map of Oklahoma? In Oklahoma. And next. In Oklahoma. They, this is just after slavery. This is what we don't have today. Look at what they had here. 600 businesses. 21 churches. 21 restaurants. 30 grocery stores. Two movie theaters. Six private planes. Right? A hospital, a bank, a post office, our own schools, libraries, law offices, and even our own transportation system. But guess what? They became so jealous of our progress that they couldn't allow us to live in peace and harmony, as God had intended for us. So in 1921, a group of whites burned the black community of Tulsa, Oklahoma to the ground. It was the wealthiest black community in the United States known as Black Wall Street. Firebombs were dropped from airplanes. What happened is, after World War I, those same white pilots, this is the only time in American history where they bombed their own citizens. Right? And so they bombed us. Hundreds, thousands were killed. Right? Back up a little bit, please. This massacre was not acknowledged in the state history records until 1996. I want to pause for a minute here because our people are suffering from a lot of mental health, mental illness. And mental illness occurs when you are compelled to accept the unacceptable. You're forced into situations, you're abused, you're tortured, you're mistreated. Heal from it. We carry this trauma, we carry this fear in our bones, and we pass it on to our children. So everything today is based on fear. And I must say to the church, right, when you go to church and they say, come to Christ, why do they tell you that? Because if you leave today and you don't come to Christ, you'll go to hell. If you leave today and you don't come to Christ, you'll go out on the street and get into an accident and maybe die and go to hell. So therefore, most of us, when we come to Christ, we come out of fear. Not out of love. Yet the great law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So then why are we coming to God through fear? Right? Because, because we have made, mistakenly, our enemy, our deity. Think about that. What is the consequence, again, of counseling a lamb to seek refuge in the den of a wolf on the day of trouble? <laughs> we also know that, right? So this is where God comes in, right? This is where God comes in. And this is a part of the story that's my favorite part of the story. Because he never left us nor forsook us. We are the ones who left. We are the ones who went astray. And so what happened, knowing this was to happen, God said, again, remember the covenant with Abraham, Christians, Muslims, and Jews. I want you to understand this. Right? All three religions have that covenant, right? And so, you know, we our people in Nigeria, you have Muslims and Christians. Unfortunately, they're fighting against each other. 
maybe they need to understand this, but what happened is, he says to Abraham, know for certain, could somebody read this please? One of you young people, son, could you read that please? Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for a hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out as great possession. Give her a round of applause. Think about that. God said, know for certain that your descendants will be enslaved for 400 years. No, enslaved, not enslaved alone. Enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. Right? After which I'm going to punish them and leave your descendants with great abundance. Why? Because up to now we haven't received reparations. But it doesn't come from them. It comes from the Almighty Creator. Next. So guess what, guys? August 20th, 1619, the first kidnapped Africans arrived in Jamestown, Virginia, setting the stage for slavery in North America. The 400 years mentioned in prophecy officially just ended this past August 20th, 2019. Is God on time? 400 years later. Think about it. We're right on time. Guess what, guys? We are so fortunate. Why? Because God chose us to be born in this time. And as such, this is what? The acceptable year of the Lord. Right? And check out, no, back up, please. Don't go too fast. Don't go too fast. Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Why? Because poverty corrupts good manners. You're right. And good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Yes, Lord, thank you. <laughs> now, 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 now. Remember we began by talking about being a Christian? And then uh, you asked me, well, what church you go to, Simba? I tell you the church. And you say, well, what denomination, Simba? I have to break it down. So, you remember the day they crucified Christ? They divided his garments and threw lots. The church today, what they're doing, with all due respect, they are dividing the body of Christ and casting lots, which is worse. Right? So here now, God, remember, God has been following us throughout this whole thing. Don't think your father took any eye off of you, not even for a minute. And what he says is this, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. You understand why we're in the situation we're in? So he says, this is the year of return. The name of this event is called Return to Forgiveness. Return to me. Not me speaking. This is what's written. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And God says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Imagine that. Yeah. On road, on Jane and Finch, in Rexdale, using them are robbing each other on road, right? 
And you know what make me say that? In Jamaica, yo, nigga nyam your what? Food. Remember the time like that? Yeah, you know, I know. God is up to date. So he said, <laughs> but you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in what? And you are under a curse. Your whole does it say denomination? Does it say part of the nation? The whole nation. Because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be what? In my Test me on this. No, here again. You guys voted liberal, conservative, all young lady back there, NDP, right? And they make all sorts of promises. But here God is telling us, what? Test me in this. That means he's telling us something. And he's saying, yo, try me. You've tried liberal. You've tried conservative and NDP. Yo, give me a shot. Right? Give me a try in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see what? Read this, guys. See, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Let's stop and use our common sense for a minute. Let's go back to these churches that I say are breaking the covenant with Almighty God. Why? Because they're not doing this as a nation. Now think about this. Again, we said, Toyan, you agreed. Right? Poverty corrupts good manners. Now let me ask you, we are here today in Brampton City Hall and we are dependent upon the funding and the benevolence of the mayor and the city councils. We always run to them. Right? Now let me ask you a question. Let's use our common sense. If we decided as a community to tithe as a community and if the churches were to obey if the churches were to obey this decree and put all of their tithes into one treasury every week and every month, would we have poverty in the black community? No. It's time to wake up people. Understand? This is the year that the Lord has made. This is the time. It's time we wake up and understand this is the moment. Let us rise to the occasion. Right? This is the creed that we have been sent, not by me. I'm simply here to remind us that we have a covenant with Almighty God, not me as an individual. Because guess what? We talk about in the church a lot of times about personal salvation. Jesus Christ, as far as I know, never spoke about that. He talked about the healing of the nation. Next, please. So, here again, in his humility, God says, could somebody else read this one, please? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their hand. The land. The land. Oh. Thank you. Please give a round of applause. <laughs> Here's another promise. Here's another promise of God. He's saying, if you would follow my decree, remember he said, try me and see, try this. If we tried, if we actually did what Almighty God expects of us, right? He will forgive, 
return to forgiveness and heal our land. Next. Now there's a part in the Psalms that says this. Ethiopia shall soon, Psalm 68, 31, look it up, stretch out our hands unto God. Royalty, princes, shall come out of Egypt. Which is another way of saying when black people return to our divine relationship with Almighty God, royalty will be delivered from captivity. I want to make sure that you understand when I say we are royal, I want you to understand how we were tricked and trapped again. Remember we talked about red and blue? Liberals and conservatives, by the way, Republican and Democrats, by the way, Crip and Blood, right? So the, the red and the blue are divided, correct? What happens when you put red and blue together? What color do you get, love? Purple. And what does purple represent? You see what happens when you put the purple and the blue back together? Then instead of representing the colors, our youth would begin to represent the crown. Feel me? That's what time it is. So let's stop here for a moment. Because I said we're time traveling. Right? So we went to the past. We came to the present, and I'd like us to take one leap together into the future. All right? What day is it today, everybody? Saturday, Saturday what? February 29th, 2020. And February 29th is what? Leap year. So then, if we were to take one leap forward in time and space, right, and we go to the next leap here, what year would that be? On what day? Okay, so let's take a moment. Let's breathe in. And let us ride on that beam of green light and travel the cosmos and remember our covenant. And so here we are, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad to be back again. It's been four years since I saw you last. And I'm so happy to see the joy in your face and the prosperity that we have achieved as a community. Why? Because four years ago, when it was revealed that God has an ordinance for us, right? many of you listened attentively. Many of you decided to take this message back to your communities. And so we had a couple town hall meetings and we decided to do as Joan is saying, return through forgiveness. We decided to return to reestablish our relationship with God. And God decided to forgive us and to heal our land and restore us as a people. And so what we did was we tithed once a month, not as in our denominations alone. Some of you, we still tithe to our churches, but guess what? We decided to come together and tithe as a whole nation. We decided to come together and tithe as a community. And so what happened is, a group of us, half of us, there's 400,000 in the city, 200,000 of us decided to come together and tithe and establish a social contract. We, we agreed to tithe $5. $5 once a month. And guess what? In our treasury, we were able to save $1 million every month. And guess what? We invested $100,000 a month because our children and youth are suffering from mental illness to heal what hurts, right? $100,000 a month. And then we decided, well, we don't have enough uh, homes 
for our elderly and so on. So we decided to invest $100,000 a month to purchase property and build homes. Right? And then we decided to use $100,000 a month to help young people who had business ideas to establish relationships between Canada and Ghana and Canada and, North and Nigeria and finance their businesses, $100,000 a month. And for our schools, we invested another $100,000 every single month to build our own schools. And then, because there are natural disasters everywhere in the world, we had $100,000 a month in reserve. So if there's an earthquake or a hurricane anywhere in the world impacting us, we gave our own people not a handout, but a hand up. And guess what? We still had $500,000 every month to employ our own people, brilliant young people, in the Ministry of Health, the Ministry of Housing, the Ministry of Business and Enterprise, the Ministry of Education, Heritage, and the Ministry of Charity and Philanthropy. And after four years of doing this, could you see the result of your efforts? Could you see the fruits that you have borne? And so therefore, I say, you are to be congratulated. Do you know what is also interesting about this 2024? In the year 2014, the United Nations says, this is the international decade for people of African descent. And it began in 2014, and it ends in 2024. And guess what? When we began the decade, we were divided. But now, we are united. Right? Not based on a person. Right? None of us are worthy of that type of recognition. But we came together based on the principle. The principle not that any man set for us, but that Almighty God set for us. We decided, guess what? Let's give a God a chance to govern. Imagine that. The most powerful institute in our community is government, right? And it was because we allowed God to take precedence over our, the lives of our children and youth in our community that we were able to achieve such great success. I ask you to stand with me for a second. I ask you to place your hands over each other's hands, please. If you can make a circle. And, yeah. and if you are, if you can't make the circle, just put your hand around your, yeah, over your heart, right? And I'm going to ask us to recite an affirmation, right? And think before we speak of what is being said, right? This is an affirmation called rebirth, and I'm going to. Speak the stanza, and we're going to ask you to repeat the stanza. Then I'll speak the affirmation. For each stanza, I'm going to ask you to participate. So <clears throat> the first stanza is this. Together we stand as one. Together we stand as one. Together we stand as one with the purpose of making a better tomorrow today. We stand together in love. We stand together in love. We stand together in love 
because this is what sustained us through four centuries of torturous pain. We stand with the truth. We stand with the truth because our children and elders need the best. And until this is accomplished, our ancestors can never peacefully rest. We stand strong. We stand strong. We stand strong with justice and integrity. For we have seen and felt inequity. Today, we have chosen to be free. We stand without fear. We stand without fear. We stand without fear. Though the age of war is here, yet still, the age of lasting peace is very, very near. We stand 360 degrees. We stand 360 degrees, sowing seeds. So no longer will anyone go hungry or lack the skills to reap. We stand with a purpose. We stand with a purpose. We stand with a purpose. God's plan, God's vision, and it's so grand. We are the earth, the wind, the fire, and the water with God's love on our mind, in our hearts and hands. Thank you very much, everybody. You've been a wonderful audience.